Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back. Hour two of the Lake Show. Let's talk some Minnesota Vikings football. Vikings fall to the Denver Broncos last night. Final score of that game was 21-20. They had a, a massive opportunity. To, to win that game. And the Vikings, even though they lost, I, I, feel, I still feel they're a better team than the Denver Broncos. Uh, it just boiled down to turnovers. It, it, that, that's essentially what happened. You cannot have a fumble on the opening possession that turned into three. You cannot have a fumble as you're driving and it looks like you're marching towards the red zone against Denver and give up essentially points in that instance. And then you also have the the tipped um, or the, the arm is hit from Josh Dobbs. It goes up in the air, interception, and that turns into points as well. So that just can't happen. That's your ball game in a nutshell. But the obvious thing, okay, that we must discuss and talk about is – Changes with the running game. The number one talker that everybody wants to get into is Ty Chandler and Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison was not horrible yesterday. He ran and was pretty effective going 18 carries for 81 yards yesterday. But the fumble, that that just that was a killer. That was an absolute killer. Ty Chandler, even more effective on the ground. 10 carries, 73 yards. That's a pretty good clip. 7.3 every time you touch it. So people are saying that it's obvious that Ty Chandler becomes a starter. And let me state for the record that I do think that we should give Ty Chandler a chance at starting at running back that he gets the bulk of the carries. You still utilize Alexander Madison, but you give Ty Chandler a shot. One thing about Ty Chandler, it seems like he's every bit as good of a receiver as Alexander Madison as well. The difference between the two, and it's a dramatic difference, is the burst. Like There's just a burst that Ty Chandler has that Alexander doesn't have. The best way to describe the separation between both guys is the the fact that when they get the ball, there's wiggle 
that Ty Chandler has that Alexander Madison just doesn't have. Alexander Madison runs harder, but he just doesn't have the same burst or wiggle that Ty Chandler has. But what do you guys think of that situation for the Vikings? Are you guys all in on Ty Chandler being the starter? Or are you like, hmm, there's more to the story here? Because I do believe there's more to the story. 651-461-9226. The reason why I say there's more to the story, the only reason why, because people are like, why? It's obvious. Why don't the Vikings make the switch? Why don't they make the switch? Why don't they make the switch? I'm going to tell you why I, I, I don't think it's super obvious to all of us, but it's obvious to them that they still have questions. The reason why is because of the pass blocking and the pass protection. I think that I, that's the only reason why you can make the case that Madison still gets the bulk of the carries. That's it. And we did see it last night on the play when Dobbs got hit. And we've seen this throughout the season. Chandler's not good there. And if Ty Chandler thinks he's going to be in every down back, and he's going to be a guy that's going to stay in the game and get the bulk of the. He's got to, He's got to be a pass protector. He's he's got to protect Josh Dobbs. And think of it like this. And I think that this is actually a pretty good point. If this is the point that's being made by the Vikings coaching staff, if the Vikings coaching staff is saying that guys, the reason why we haven't made the switch already is because. Josh Dobbs has just started his second game for the Vikings. And because he's still learning, we can't have him back there the majority of the time still learning. And we got this guy who's not good at pass blocking and pass protection in there with him. I think it's as simple as that. It it could be. But at the same time, I, I thought last night there were a couple times where Ty Chandler did a really nice job stepping up and, and, Picking up a blitz. I, th- there was one. Maybe one. Well, I mean, there was one where a, a linebacker was coming right up the middle. He just slid over and just, like, you know, stonewalled. The one that I, the, 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 that, the stonewalling I remember vividly was Alexander Madison. I don't know. I don't. I can't remember which one you're talking about with Ty Chandler. Because okay, I, but, I but remember the, there was one that but, I was just but like. There, but there's one where Madison saved everybody's mm-hmm. lunch. Yeah, and. Here's the thing, like if if you're going to people and people, I even retweeted um, John Krasinski from the Athletic about it because that that was that one was pretty obvious because he saved everybody's butt with that particular possession. Um, Where was yeah? Go ahead. Why is Madison in the game? Question mark that blitz pickup because of that one. If you really want to get Ty Chandler on the field a little bit more. Then I, I just don't know. I don't. You've got CJ Ham. Why are you not using CJ Ham more than as a blocker? Because you've got you've got all of this tight end personnel, right? If TJ Hawkinson is your main receiving tight end, we saw Josh Oliver with a little bit last night. Johnny Munt a little bit. You've got CJ Ham. Like I, I feel like there are ways that you can manufacture touches for Ty Chandler to get him the ball a little bit more, even if he's not a traditional running back, per se. But if you if you really believe that this guy is explosive enough, you've got to find a way, because Alexander Madison, I'm not saying he's a liability. Yeah, the, the pass protection 
is that really the if that's the main reason that with you're the guy keeping, that's taking a second start? Though, yeah, that uh, has to be part of it. Okay, it yeah, has to be. Okay, maybe. And it, I agree with Krasinski in that particular instance. Yeah, that, that's, well, abs- yeah, yeah, absolutely. If that's the case for that, but as Joshua Dobbs gets more comfortable, then yeah, we should see Alexander Madison's role devolve a bit to the point that Ty Chandler is going to get more snaps. And again, I'm I'm not a fan of what we've seen from Alexander Madison, but last night Denver's defense, run defense, is not good. It just that is one of the weakest parts of their defense. Their secondary is really, really good. I feel like Joshua Dobbs is getting a bad rap last night. Is Dobbs Dobbs is not a fraud. That Joshua Dobbs is not the problem last night. Josh Josh Dobbs didn't play poorly last night, but like I feel like people are I, I mean People are saying it's it's over for Joshua Dobbs. Really? It's, it's over. Yes. Like, it's over for Joshua Dobbs, and it's not. Like, people are so quick to jump off the Joshua Dobbs train well, we're, because of what happened bandwagon. last night. We're bandwagon. Oh, we're totally anymore. bandwagon. Yeah. We're totally bandwagon. But, yeah, I Madison, I know there were, I know for sure there was one that I remember seeing Ty Chandler do something, and, and I was just, like, you know, blown away by it. But I guess, you know, be that as it may, I still feel like, if that's really the case and you're getting more out of the running game with Ty Chandler, then eventually you, you got to start to make that move. I mean, you might have just made a preposterous statement that you were blown away by a Ty Chandler block. <laughs> I might have said it. <laughs> I hear that's a thing every now and then, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Oh, 651-461-9226. This from the 763. I have been pretty disappointed in Madison all year. Constantly stopped at the line. Last night, aside from the fumble, I thought he was solid. Look, uh, but to me, me, that was more about Denver's run defense, though, than it was about the Vikings. I mean, I, I don't want to. No, he's, he's had moments this year where he seems to be an effective runner. But there have been a lot of. It's few and far between, there, though. There's been be a honest. lot of games where he gets stopped and stopped and stopped at the line of scrimmage. He does not have the great vision, okay? We've seen that. He doesn't have the great vision. But also beyond that, I, I do want to give a little bit of grief to the Minnesota Vikings offensive line at times. At, there's been times where it didn't matter who the running back was, whether it was Cam Akers, Alexander Madison, or um, Ty Chandler. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when those guys get the handoff, there are people at their feet, and you can't have that. But then how can this line, and, and I think this goes back to kind of what we've heard over the course of the year, how can, according to pro football focus, according to the numbers, the Vikings still have a, a top 10 offensive line. Maybe you know, they do. Pass, passing and running. But again, those are the numbers. But when you look at the eye test, you're like, it, it, it doesn't pass the eye test. But the numbers say that there's something that we don't think they are. I don't, I, I'll, let me say this. Let me be clear about this. I don't put all my faith into PFF. I just don't. Like, I, I, we, I utilize the, 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 the analytics and, and the numbers from PFF. But so many people treat it as gospel now. And, and they're dumb. Like, like you should never in, in sports. They go full on analytics. You never do that. You never do that in sports. The great Joe Morgan told me that. He told me that to my face. In Kansas City, Joe Morgan says, "Look, people that just want to be all about the numbers. Mm-hmm. That's not the way to go." Now he says it. Ha- he he says between the numbers and actually things that happen all the time with the game in terms of um, the way things kind of play out during the course of it, the, like the feel of it, and, yeah. and, and making this— you got to marry the two and, of them. And, and making it—he says it has to be a, quote, convenient marriage. Yes. I, 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 I absolutely agree with that. And I wish 
I wish that we would see more of that because it it's you're either not non analytical or you're completely analytical. Like there there's no in between. But yeah, the the, the convenient marriage. I, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. All right, six five one four six one nine two two six. A fan has died at a Taylor Swift concert over the weekend, which brings to my mind a thought on a change in concert policy that should be enforced everywhere. We get to that next year on The Late Show. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey! I can't wait to go to another concert. The last concert I went to was what? Um, five or six weeks ago, it was Wu-Tang, Nas, De La Soul. That was amazing. It was super mm-hmm. awesome. Um, don't know what the next show will be, but I think that a lot of people are taking advantage of getting back into venues and, and, and watching their favorite artists perform because during the pandemic, and, and literally for like two years, we couldn't do any of that. It just wasn't a thing. And so now we're we're, you know, Back in the space, we're back in a place where um, now that we're coming out of the pandemic, we can do that again. Okay, we can be amongst our friends and 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 enjoy live music. That which is so so awesome. Unfortunately, this past Friday night uh, at uh, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour in Rio, uh, one of her fans, Ana Clara Benavides Machado. She died. Um, she died that evening. They're not exactly sure the exact cause quite yet, but by all indications, the conditions in Rio, it was extreme temperatures there. So, that's 
for, for number one, that's devastating to hear that that someone loses their life at a concert. Like that's that's so sad and so unfortunate. And it was uh, it was a young lady. Um, and when I when I mean young, it was a twenty three year old fan. Um, now that particular concert, I want to say on Friday night, was postponed due to the extreme temperatures. Um, she ended up doing a show on Sunday. Now, one of the things that was mentioned immediately after that show was postponed and the young lady had died was that there was not enough water and there were complaints that people were not allowed to bring water into the venue. Let me say this. And I know some people out there may be like, mm, not sure that that's feasible. I think this is totally feasible. I think that two things should happen. Number one, I think that, and I don't care where you are, if you're in an outdoor venue, this is different. It, it, and let me be clear about this. This is different about indoor venues. Outdoor venues in the elements, people should be allowed to bring water in. You should be allowed to bring one container of water in if you're at an outdoor venue. Or once you access the outdoor venue and you're inside, Mm -hmm. you should be provided a water. One of those, one of those two things, I'm dead serious. I, I don't think that that's too unreasonable to ask. And, 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 and I'd love some reaction if people agree with this or disagree at 651-461-9226. And the reason why I say it's not unreasonable is because when we're out in the elements, man, the venues, they should do everything within their power to make sure that people are safe. And if I can't bring in my own water, And I'm not sitting here saying that maybe you shouldn't bring a few extra dollars to try to acquire water. But with ticket prices these days and the ticket fees that people are paying the ticket master and all this other stuff and Live Nation, why not provide people with water? Yeah, I I think I don't think that's asking too much. No, it's not. And that is a much more to me, much more realistic scenario where you get a comped water rather than them allowing you to bring in an outside drink. Because if you're bringing, I I mean, you know, people can fill, unless you've got a closed, like a, you know, a Dasani or a, you know, a bottled water. I mean, people are going to bring in, you know, make it a, make it, make it a clear bottle. Make, make it, make, make it, let's say that it's a clear bottle. But you can also put a, a clear look. I mean, you could put vodka in there. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like venues, well, number one, when you get some venues, it's like that's part of their revenue mm-hmm. is, hey, you know, when you come in, yeah, you have to purchase your food and beverage from us. That's just part of the deal. But then I do understand where there are times where maybe they should. They should provide, I would say, provide a comp water before they would allow somebody to have their you know, an outside thermos or some sort of outside 
you know, water container. I, I have a hard time seeing that that would go over well because venues could claim anything they wanted to. Do you think that that should still be a thing where you should not be allowed to bring your own beverage or food into a venue? Because I don't. I'm not the only thing that should be banned should be alcohol. But if a person wants to bring a soda pop, I I don't have an issue with that. And I and I really don't have an issue with the food. I'm gonna tell you why I don't have an issue with food. Uh, yeah. I learned I learned in Kansas City, that's the very first venue, Coffin Stadium was the very first venue I learned that you could bring out outside food. You could bring outside food yes. into Arrowhead. Yes. Oh, in the Arrowhead? Oh, what'd you say in the in the in I the, said the in K? the Kaufman. In the K. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I think because the the Chiefs are playing at it. See, I, I would have. But it's not the only place. I don't think. See, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of uh, a venue of a venue oh, allowing yeah. you to have outside food. Yep. It's like your food has to be purchased within the stadium. Yep. Okay. I I've not. And again, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. But yeah, I've not heard of that happening. But that's kind of. I would love to have it more because the the drink and food prices are outrageous. So when you get to these arenas. So so listen to this. This is from um uh the takeout April of 2022. So okay. early in the baseball season, not this past season but the year before. Okay. These baseball stadiums let you bring your own uh food. Let me get to it. Okay? Uh these baseball stadiums allow outside food. Boston Red Sox, Fenway. Okay. Kauffman Stadium, which I mentioned, Kansas City, because yep, yep. I'd done it before. Okay. City Field. Excuse me, in New York. And really? Citizens, City Field? City Field in New York. Okay. And Citizens Bank in Philadelphia. Wow. I, I would not have thought that there would have been that many. I'm I'm stunned. I'm legitimately stunned that there are those many, that many baseball stadiums that will allow you to bring in an outside it's, food. But but it's it's beyond that though. It's not it's not just those. It's, it it says just a reminder. Here are the remaining parks where outside food is a okay. Chase Field, Shuess Park, Oriole Park, Wrigley Field, Guaranteed Rate, Progressive. Target Field. Like, like it has the list of all these different... It says, here are the remaining parks where outside food is A-OK. Like, you can bring... Uh, like, when I, go, when, I, when I go to the Twins and I, I get it, I'm in the press box. Yeah. But I bring food all the time. I bring... There, there's not a Twins game that I've been to in the last couple years where I didn't bring some sort of outside food. Sometimes I don't bring a full meal because... Because of them being on the station all the yeah. time, night, and I go to the cafeteria and I get food. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the majority of the time, if I know that that I'm gonna, I need something to eat later in the innings. I'll have later in the game. I'll have my own food. So we can make some sandwiches. We can go to Target Field, mm-hmm. and we can bring those sandwiches through the checkpoints through security, and we can sit down in our seats. And we can have our sandwiches. The best thing to do is you need to check and see what the policy is on what all you can bring. Because well, I mean, I, I know they they you know have to go through like a clear bag or no 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 no. That's not what I'm saying about uh, the clear bag. I'm okay. talking about you need to check prior to 
with whatever stadium that you're going to to see what type of food is being allowed. Not every food, in, not every stadium in America is going to allow you to bring a Subway sandwich. In. I mean, we're not bringing a pot roast in. I'm just talking about like. I two think because there's some stadiums that will allow you to bring a power. <laughs> they won't care. I'm just, I'm just, I'm dead serious. No. But, I, but I think that some stadiums will let you bring in like an apple or yeah. banana or or maybe potato chips. Some stadiums will let you bring in a slab of ribs. That's incredible to me. Like I, I legit had no idea, and I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. Man, you're behind the times, buddy. Yeah. I'm so used to getting screwed when I go to arenas and, and like venues by the prices. Well, no, I mean we we all are. What? I'm just laughing. What? <laughs> How many people out there feel like we're paying way I, too much for I, food and beverages? I think you're in the majority, though. I, I think I think that you're in the majority. Oh, yeah. I think that most people don't know that. Yeah, I I don't. I like to feel like I'm up to date with a lot of things. I guess I just always assumed that it was never going to be a thing. Like it was never going to be allowed because mm-hmm. if I'm these stadiums, what's in it for me to allow people to bring outside food? I mean, that's just revenue that we're losing. So yeah, yeah but you got butts and seats. You do have butts in seats. Yep. But again, I, I feel like you're trying to suck every last dollar out of the consumer because we talk about the cost of going to all of these events, and you know, it's I mean, it's it's not cheap. I actually think it's a good trade off for. For, for stadiums. Oh, I yeah, I do too to, now to, that I know about to it. To get more butts and seats, yeah, you're going to – because some people are just not going to pay the high prices anyway. They're just not going to do it. No, well, I, I mean, it's like, you know, when we went to, to Valley Fair, you eat all this – you eat your food in the parking lot. You go outside for lunch. You have a cooler. You eat and drink, and then you go back in. Like, I, I had no idea that you could – Bring some of that food into some of these baseball stadiums. Yep. 651 461 9226. And by the way, from the 952, um, this person says most baseball stadiums allow outside food. Yep. That's why the reason why I was going through that list. So, so yeah. they, they, they agree with that. Uh, it says that you can bring sealed water bottles under 20 ounces okay. from the same um, texture. Um, Target Field, it says, hasn't had. Any food. It says any food restriction since its opening. Wow. Now, I didn't know that. that I didn't know that it had none. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, because, I mean, we were here, you know, moved away, other stadiums. That, that, all of that is completely, like, if I tell that to my wife, she's not going to believe it. That's, <laughs> I man, told you. I am learning so many things tonight. Well, you know, I teach. That's all I do. Yeah, thank <laughs> I'm, you. I'm a giver, man. Yeah, hey, hey, well, come, I'm a taker. <laughs> coming up next, uh, the 2024 Major League Baseball Hall of Fame ballot is released. And Joe Maurer is on it. We get to that next year on The Lake Show. Back with you here on The Lake Show. Congratulations to Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer has been... Um, Added to the Hall of Fame ballot five years after his retirement. Let me go ahead and clap it up for Joe. I like Joe. I'm a fan of Joe Mowers. I uh, just saw Joe, what was it, uh, three weeks ago as we did the uh, the bowling event for Highland Friendship Club. Um, Joe Mowers is one of the nicest professional athletes I've ever met in my life. Just a great human being. Um, soft-spoken. Um, Super humble. Uh, he's just awesome, man. I I just I, I like to do, man. And I know that 
in his time in a Minnesota Twins uniform, a guy that spent his entire 15-year major league career here, one of us, the legendary figure from Creighton-Durham Hall High School. I get that some fans feel like, ultimately, he didn't get us to the to the pinnacle. But let's be honest. Other than Kirby Puckett, nobody else did. No, Joe, Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer was amazing. Joe Maurer did amazing things for this franchise. Maurer, the only catcher in Major League history to win three batting titles, was the 2009 American League MVP. And his career was a little bit shortened. It was it was derailed by the concussion stuff, okay? Um, the concussion stuff, he's a catcher, man, you know? It, it, it took a toll on him. But he retired in 2018 at the age of 35. Joe Maurer is a Hall of Famer in my book. Joe Maurer is, in my opinion, going to be in Cooperstown. When is the question? It's not a matter of if with me. Joe Maurer is going to be in Cooperstown. It's a matter of how many years will it take for Joe Maurer to be inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I love Joe to death. I'm not sure that Joe's going to go in um, as a first time, as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Do we agree on that? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think he'll go in as a first timer. Should he? I think you can make the case that he should be a first time, first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay. Because what he did as a catcher is incredibly difficult. Look, I, I, you look at his numbers, you mentioned the batting titles, and, and you mentioned you know, being league MVP. Think about all of the great catchers that you've had in Major League Baseball history. From Carlton Fisk to Yogi Berra to you know Mike Piazza, I, I mean you, you know you know Pudge Rodriguez, you can go on and on. Joe Maurer did things as a catcher that nobody else in the history of Major League Baseball has done. So in that respect, I absolutely believe Joe Maurer should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now you move over to first base, and that's a different issue because I feel like his numbers don't look as good. Because you've got first baseman and third baseman that constantly put up better numbers. But as a catcher, absolutely he should. Will he? I, I don't I don't think so. I don't I'm not saying that he shouldn't. I'm just saying I don't think that he will get in on the first ballot. No, I, I, I think that Joe Maurer I think he gets in year number three. Okay. Look, look, I, because because these these writers and stuff, man, they just they're a little. It's like they have a a little bit of a. I, it's like you can't go in a first ballot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like no, we got to unless keep you're it. Derek Jeter. Yeah, or you know David Ortiz. You know, twenty twenty two Jeter in twenty twenty Mariano Rivera twenty nineteen. You know, here's when the Roy Halladay in two thousand nineteen. 
and I don't know if that's just because it's posthumously and they wanted to, I mean, Roy Halladay was a hell of a pitcher for the Blue Jays and the Phillies. You know, won a Cy Young in both the American and National League. You know, should, should he have been, you know, the, the guy who was in the first, you know, first time? I'm not sure, but Chipper Jones was a first-time ballot. Jim Tomey. Uh, Pudge Rodriguez. Pudge Rodriguez. Is that maybe who we could compare? Because, they, I mean, they were oh, the same era. Oh, Pudge is definitely a Hall of Famer. No, but, I mean, Pudge went in first ballot. I mean, you know, 14-time All-Star, 13-time Gold Glove. I think that most people would say that Pudge was a better catcher. Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to argue about that, you know, yeah, yeah. N- not at all. Yep. But I think I'm just looking, if we're going to look at, Joe Maurer absolutely will go on to the Hall of Fame. No question. And and he should. But first time ballot, I mean, if Pudge gets in, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, he, God, you know, he, you know, a couple of World Series, you know, he played a lot of catcher, you know. Who had a couple of World Series? What's that? You said Pudge? Yeah. Yeah, he, he A couple played. of rings? No, he played in a couple of oh, them. Oh, played in a couple. Yeah, played in a couple of them. But, yeah, I'd say maybe third, second or third ballot, I, I think seems about right for, for Joe Maurer. But he the, will go in. This is the thing. I'm going to tell you the reason why I'm so confident that he'll get in. Because I don't think that Joe necessarily cares about the first or whatever. I don't think he cares about all that stuff. Like, well, I mean, it's, you, you it's not that deep. You, how much would the Hall of Fame mean to Joe Maurer? I mean, you, you know Joe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to ask him. Okay. No, I, I'm, that's, that's something I want to ask him, and I want to ask him soon. Because um, that's, that's something I've never asked him before. But there's no way. This is the reason why I'm so confident that he's going to get in, whether it's one year, two years, three, whatever. There's no way that Scott Rowland can be in the Hall of Fame and no Joe Maurer. Like, this is not, that's just not possible. And I'm not saying this to disrespect Scott Rowland, but, but Scott Rowland got in, I think, on his sixth try. And I'm like, when I think of Scott Rowland, I don't think of the Hall of Fame. But now I'm not saying that to say that he's, he's not one. It's just that's not the first thing that pops into my mind. Was Scott Rowland? No, no, I, and, and I mean, you know, Scott Rowland. I think because he, you know, might have been the best defensive third baseman since Brooks Robinson. I, you know, that was also. I feel like him being known for that right away. I felt just like got him, got him on the map. But I, I mean, I'm looking at some of the catchers that are in the Hall of Fame: Johnny Bench, obviously, Mike Piazza, Carlton Fisk, Yogi Berra, Gary Carter. Jorge Posada, I'm just trying to go, you know, with some of the more, you know, well-known. Ted Simmons, um, just keep going back a little bit more. Uh, Roy Campanella, you you do have, you know, Thurman Munson, but I feel like, you know, again, that was part of Thurman Munson and that that awful accident, I feel, also kind of played into that. But, I mean, you've got... You've only got what fifteen? No, I don't even know how many. I mean, I'm trying to. Yeah, look but at... Posada's not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I thought Pos- I thought no, Jorge's not. No, no, okay, he, no, from the Yankees. Yeah, that's what I. I no, I thought okay. I thought I was looking because that seemed kind of weird that Jorge. Posada. <laughs> I'm like, we, we ain't talking about the same Jorge. Well, because I was looking at it and I'm like. <laughs> 
I'm like, oh, no, we ain't talking about the same Jorge Posada. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Bernie Williams is on the Hall of Fame, isn't he? <laughs> Everybody from the damn Yankees from the mid-90s should be in the Hall of Fame. As a jazz player, maybe. <laughs> oh, yes. Well done. Oh, man. All right, 651-461-9226. Coming up next, it's time for headlines on The Lake Show. All right, welcome back to The Lake Show, News Talk 830 WCCO. It's time for headlines. So let's dive into what uh, is on the mind of one Christopher Tubbs here at the Anchor Desk. All right, thank you very much, Lake. Welcome to CSI Hamlin, at least for some students. Dr. Jamie Spaulding is a forensic science professor at Hamlin, making use of a vacated building on campus for its students' interactive learning. Quote, the way we have it staged, we have an office, a few bedrooms, living room, dining room, kitchen, as well as outdoors. Vision is to make it to as close as a residential house as possible. The upgraded training, Spaulding says, will better prepare students for a field test that happens near the end of the semester. Quote, they're going to get a phone call from me somewhere between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m., sometime during the middle of the, uh, during a night of the week, and they're going to respond in real time somewhere on campus. Now, the crime house is being called a rarity, as Hamlin is the only Minnesota university with a forensic science major and is one of the few forensic programs in the region. Hmm. Now, the house, which is near Holton Street in St. Paul, will create a very realistic scenario for students. Quote, they see mannequins used to stage victims. They see weapons on scene. They see actual biologics, uh, biological stains. And I think they've embraced this idea of getting that practical experience while they're here so that they're equipped. I know that they want to do that throughout their career. Hey, this sounds really cool. This is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead serious. This sounds really, really cool. What a great opportunity for uh, for those Hamlin students. I, I mean, it's, that's awesome, dude. I, I, yeah, I would have loved this. Like, it's a real life murder mystery, except nobody's getting murdered. I know, I know. I, I totally hear you, man. I totally hear you. Hey, uh, a young brother and sister took off in their mom's car last week after they had their electronics taken away as punishment. <gasps> They got nearly 200 miles from home before police were finally able to catch up with them. 200? Yes. Despite the uh, uh, deputies with the Alcoa County Sheriff's Office stopped the 10-year-old boy and 11-year-old girl just before 4 a.m. last Thursday on I-75. The Sheriff's Office shared in a statement that the boy was driving the car and the two of them had been on the road for nearly three hours, putting them almost 200 miles north of their North Port home. Oh, my gosh. In a follow-up statement from the Sheriff's Office on Friday, it was revealed that the kids ran away because they had their electronic devices taken away from them as punishment. Now, their mother had reported them missing after realizing they were gone. When deputies pulled the vehicle over, which the mother had also reported as stolen, they ordered the people inside out at gunpoint. However, what they found inside was not what they were expecting. Sheriff's Office said that the two children were eventually released back to their mother, were not likely to face charges for their joyride. Quote, our detectives did uh, did speak with their mother at length. Sheriff's Office said, adding that she was clearly doing her best to raise two young children. She was very receptive to their recommendations in providing her uh, helping get the assistance she needed. So basically, in the words of Denny Green... The authorities let them off the hook. They let them off the hook. <laughs> One of those things, it's like you release them to the, their mom's custody, and that might be just as bad as anything they would face. I don't think any, uh, any question. Let them off the hook. That's wow. right. Hey, comedian Dana Carvey is feeling the love and support from his followers after the death of his grown son, Dex Harvey. 
The Wayne's World actor expressed his gratitude in a message Saturday for the support he's received, writing, quote, this is just to say thank you. My wife and I have been overwhelmed by your love, your personal stories, your compassion. He posted on X, formerly known as Twitter. We received so many beautiful messages from people who knew Dex. These touched us more than we could ever express in words. Dana Carvey said he will, quote, be taking a break from work and social media as he tries to figure out what life looks like now that we're a family of three. Carvey and his uh, wife, Paula Zwagerman, are also parents to son Thomas Carvey. Couple shared Thursday that their 32-year-old son, Dex, died after suffering what they call an accidental drug overdose. According to an Instagram post, family did not disclose the drug. To anyone struggling with addiction or who loves someone struggling with addiction, you're in our hearts and prayers, Dana Carvey wrote in the Instagram post. Best known as Saturday Night Live cast member between 1986 and 1993, playing Garth Alger alongside Mike Myers' Wayne Campbell in the classic Wayne's World franchise. Carvey received support on SNL when the long-running sketch show's weekend update co-anchor Colin Jost held up a sign that read, We love you, Dana and Paul, at the end of the episode. We will heal the best we can and carry on, Carvey wrote Saturday night. Our darling Dex would have wanted it that way. Yeah, um, you know this about me, man. One of my favorite movies involves Dana Carvey, and that happens to be, well, no, no, Dana wasn't in that movie. He wasn't in the movie I'm thinking of. Which I was thinking of Strange Brew. He wasn't in. He wasn't. In oh Strange no, Brew. that was. He wasn't. In. That, that was um, Rick Moranis and that Dave was Thomas. Rick and Dave Thomas. Yes. Yep. 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 I stand corrected. I stand corrected. But yeah, I saw that story last week, and that's devastating, man. Sad, Anytime man. any of these individuals lose a child or anybody lose a child, it's devastating. All right, coming up next, let's talk about the Minnesota Wilds' woes out of the country. It didn't change any. They lost both games. Jesse Pierce. She joins us next year on The Lake Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.